Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my D&D game. In this case, I am running an Eberron homebrew game called Eberron the Second Morning. This show is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. You too can become a patron of Sly Flourish by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and helping to support the show. To patrons who have helped support the show, I really appreciate your, your support. So uh, we are in the Mornland in my Eberron game. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the, the final, I guess it's not quite the final chapter yet, uh, but we are getting close. So I'm going to bring up my Notion notebook. We're going to do our prep as we always do. I'm going to generate a session planning template. This is all in Notion. Uh, if people wonder what tool I use to do my session planning. It is in Notion for those of you in Twitch. Um, you can see the link there. For those of you on YouTube, you can see it in the links below. So we are going to do 22 November 2020. Um, yeah. So in the last session, okay. So let's 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 look at where everything at. So the the goal of the campaign is for the characters to stop uh, villains from building the next weapon of mourning. Uh, the, there was a weapon that created the Mornland, and uh, people are worried that they can build that weapon again. It's sort of like the Cold War. It's it's sort of like the 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 the, the race for nuclear weapons in World War II, if you think of it that way. And um, like one nuke went off and now everybody's trying to make nuclear weapons. So to me, the Cold War is a really good example of uh, the model for this, for this, for this um, campaign. Uh, there is a villain named Lido Skull who is a, um, he's an Oni that used to work for the monstrous empire of the Droam, uh, but broke away from them. Then joined the Orem, which is a powerful secret society, not even a secret society, a powerful society of, of powerful people. Uh, and then was kicked out from there too, and then returned to the Droam, but uh, but has the components and the knowledge capable of building the next weapon of morning. So the characters are sort of chasing him or trying to stop him from building the next weapon of morning. Uh, in doing so, they traveled to the Mornland, where they met up with a very powerful warforged vehicle, a, a, a train called Karshak. Karshak is a psychotic warforged train that is powered by a mobile manifest zone to uh, the to the realm of chaos and can actually go supersonic speeds along its rail. And when it's traveling through the Mornland, it, it, it can kind of move the rail that it's traveling on. So you can't actually follow it. You have to be in it to get to to get there. Um, it is headed towards uh, the city of making, which is in the middle of a place known as the Glass Plateau. And inside the city of making is a rift known as Claw Rift. And it is at Claw Rift where they can actually create the weapon of mourning. The, the, the villains can create the weapon of mourning. So the players are trying to get there to stop that from happening. Um, in our last session, the characters uh, have been restarting a, a, a dam in order to power. They made an alliance with Karshak. Karshak decided not to kill them all. And they are in a dam trying to power the dam back up in order to... Uh, uh, they're, they're getting the dam powered back up in order to power up Karshak so that Karshak can slow down. So Karshak's engine makes him go really, really fast, but he needs an alternative energy source to basically open and close the gate. So he needs energy to do that. And he gets it through lightning power and the, the dam can create the lightning power. But the dam only had one open sluice, not three. And so the characters that go into the dam to open up the sluices. The dam is actually a, a, a fortification, a stronghold of Sire, 
uh, during the war. And uh, inside, they found a bunch of Karnath ghouls uh, that had uh, basically killed all of the Syrian soldiers that were there. So the place was filled with like undead and it was filled with like, you know, they, they could see all this war that went on there. And there was also the sort of twisted constructs that the Syrians had that helped run the, the place. So they crawled through this dungeon. It was really kind of fun. They got to the final chamber and in the final chamber, they're getting attacked by um, these the, the twisted elementals that were actually in control of the dam. And it's the reason that they stopped. So we, we have a good, strong start, uh, which is fighting the... Uh, uh, and what I think they're called corrupted weirds. Uh, do I have? Do I have corrupted weirds? So uh, corrupted weirds are from uh, the Tome of Beasts, or from the uh, yeah Tome of Beast Two. Uh, let me pull up Tome of Beast Two. Uh, date Tome of Beast Two. Uh, this is by Cobalt Press in Book of Monsters from Cobalt Press. So one. Boy, do we have lots of monsters, and I've been using lots of monsters. I've, I've decided to, to kind of toy more with monsters from other third-party resources because they're good. They're as good as the ones that Watsi are putting out, and they're play-tested, and they're kind of cool. And the two books that I've been using for this are Tome of Beasts is one of them, uh, and then the other one is by Monty Cook Games. Uh, let's see if I have that here. And it's called um, – oh, hang on. Why is my day modifying not – Oh, this is terrible. I can't find it. So, um, why is this D&D, &D, 5e material? I'm looking for my my uh, money cookbooks. You know what I can do? I can do this. Uh, Beasts of Flesh and Steel. So, Beasts of Flesh and Steel by Monty Cook Games. Whoops, that's not right. Don't look at that. Uh, Beasts of Flesh and Steel is a book by Monty Cook Games of a bunch of 5e sort of high fantasy or, or science fantasy monsters. Lots of like mixtures of you know creatures that are formed. And and it's and I've been using this a lot for the Mornland. You know, weird things like that. The Adderic, you know, really cool, really cool monsters. And that's also Arcana of the Ancients. Uh is another one uh, written by Monty Cook that actually has magic items as well. So I've been, I thought both of these books fit very well with the uh, Mornland. Uh, so I've been harvesting a lot of material from uh, Arcana of the Ancients and Beasts of Flesh and Seal. And I'm also grabbing some stuff from Tome of Beasts too. Uh, and I recommend them all. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with them. You got to be a little careful, particularly the magic items in Arcana of the Ancients. Some of them, in my opinion, are game breaking things and you need to be careful about what you give. Some of them are really terrible and like they're just not powerful other ones are too powerful like items that you can sort of embed in your body that give you advantage all the time and you're not supposed to have advantage all the time on like uh, advantage on all attacks you're like oh god don't do that so you got to be careful about what you hand out you don't want to just roll randomly and give it out you want to roll and you want to read it and be like is this a weird one or does this sound okay the monsters however if they're a little overtuned or undertuned it doesn't matter because they're only there for one battle and then they're gone and you can be like well that was harder than i expected and we already know that Challenge rating is all kinds of, you know, challenge rating is all kinds of borked up anyway. So the fact that some of the challenge rating monsters, like the monsters that I've seen in Beasts of Flesh and Steel and uh, Arcana of the Ancients are um, significantly more deadly than the ones that you find in the, typically in the, in the player's hand or in the monster manual or Morden Canons or um, Volo's Guide. 
So, uh, yeah, what was the monster? Uh, I think it was called Corrupted. Uh, corrupt? No, it wasn't called Corrupted. It was uh, Befouled. Befouled weird. Let me try that again. So I think I made a page for these. I thought I made a, I guess I didn't. There it is. I knew I made a page for this. So uh, Befouled Weird, and I have the um, monster stat block here. I, I just copied and pasted it from the book and then stuck it into Notion so that I've got a copy handy. Um, CR5s. Characters are level 9. Uh, and we'll get into the whole encounter building thing. But I, I'm going to throw a bunch of these at them, right? And they're going to have to fight these these guys, and, and it'll be kind of interesting. They sort of swarm around the room. And I think I might throw a clay golem on them as well. Uh, so they got kind of hosed last time. Um, because, uh, they were in a big fight and I threw more monsters in as my strong start. And, uh, uh, I'm going to throw in a clay golem as well, just to shake things up. Uh, so they're starting with a fight in both, uh, both the, pre the, the, both recent, both recent, uh, sessions. They, they've been starting with a fight, so we'll see how it goes, but they're level nine. They're beefy. Clay Golem shows up. Uh, so that's a real simple, strong start. Um, what about some weirder material? I don't know. That's all. That stuff's pretty weird. Uh, but yeah, like imagine how many monsters we have access to. Uh, just just from two publishers, and there's many others, right? Two uh, C Gaming makes some awesome monsters as well. So like, mon there's there's uh, you know we have more monsters than we need. I'll tell you that we have more monsters than we could ever use. Global Press alone has three monster books. Wizards has three monster books. And um, Mommy Cook has one and a half monster books. And then there's many others. So there's lots of, 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 of monster books that are going on. Uh, so scenes are uh, restarting the Seleucids um, of the Galifar, the dam, the dam of Galifarian Kings. Uh, return to Karshak. Uh, and then travel to um, Phygon, uh, what's it called, Farragon? Travel to, travel to the city of Farragon. And in Farragon, so the, 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 the plan here, um, and then we, we can go back here and go back to Karshak. And then... Um, glass plateau that's sort of the beginning of the final chapters when they reach the glass plateau at that point where we're really on the we're really closing in on the end after glass plateau is making and after making is uh claw rift that's our end game so what i have here uh, you know I'm, I'm i'm writing out all my scenes but actually it starts off with just the scenes that are happening today but then i have like all the major beats that are going to occur through the rest of the campaign because i'm, I'm closing in on the end so it's like i know i know where things are going to head and uh we're gonna you know we're gonna head that way um i can also basically the scenes here uh are also really the fantastic locations so i'm just going to copy them right here this is one where like um you know, save yourself a little time and you don't have to do every step if you don't need it. And and for this one, I don't need it because my scenes, I like to use the scenes because it kind of outlines, but my scenes are often based on the places they go, right? Like I have it, you know, scene here, scene here, scene here. 
Um, and it works out. It works out well. So, so those are the scenes. Um, so secrets and clues. Most of these are going to be about uh, the city of Farragon. So what is Farragon? What's going on there? So the deal is Karshak says, I had a mate named Mycenta. Mycenta killed herself when, uh, or killed themselves. They don't really have a, they don't, they don't have a gender identity. So they killed themselves. And uh, because they felt like they were responsible for the mourning. Um, Gaming and BS asks the difference between scenes and fantastic locations. Let's hang on to that. And we'll we'll come to that. That's a good that's a good thought. So, um, so my Senta killed themselves because they felt like they were responsible for the morning. Uh, Karshak feels the same way, but has not kind of worked up the courage to kill themselves either. Karshak and my Senta are mates, and Karshak is is terribly alone without my Senta. My Senta was another sentient, super powerful uh, lightning rail that killed themselves somewhere between Metrol and Making. And Mycenta's uh, memory crystal uh, is still around and has been captured by a, uh, a, a guy named Geneth D. Orion. Um, uh, so Geneth, we'll put Geneth D. Orion here. Uh, hunted down and retrieved Mycenta. This is a secret I'm, I'm doing. My Senta's memory crystal. Uh, and then fled into the Mornland. That's a secret. Uh, Karshak uh, has been has sent out. Um, and there's a kind of creature in Beasts of Flesh and Steel. Uh, they're called dread somethings. Uh, dread. Where's the? Is there a table of contents? Come on, dread something. So he's got warforged. Uh, he's got warforged agents that are connected to him. They're not really warforged. They they they're 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 constructs. Um, dread riders. Here we go. Um, let us, let's see, close that. And then I'm going to take a screenshot of that. Let me shift. Oh, it's stop, stop getting highlighting. Windows shift S. See, it keeps throwing up that stupid thing. So, um, control F Mike. Boy, I tell you, every time I click the thing, it, uh, So I'm going to create a screenshot here, and we're just going to grab this guy. And now I've got that copied, and we're going to create, and we'll go down to monsters, and we're going to say dread. Oh, look, look at that. I already created dread riders, and I already have a stat block for them. So these dread riders are like um, automatons. They're, they're, they're constructs that were sent out by... Uh, they were sent out by Karshak. He only has a, a number of them. He doesn't have a lot of them. There's a, he has a whole car that are filled with these guys. There are probably 24 of them, and he sent out groups of them to hunt down, um, uh, to hunt down Geneth the Orion to recover, um, uh, to recover Mycenta's memory crystal. Uh, so so Karshak sent out Dread Riders to hunt 
Geneth. Uh, to hunt Geneth the Orion. Uh, but they were destroyed in um, Faragon. They were destroyed in the city of Faragon. Uh, there is a creature... Um, Geneth uh, is protected by house, um, which house is it? It's the assassin house. Uh, let's go back to here. Somebody, somebody can remind me. What's the name of the assassin house? There's house uh, Falarn, but there's also another house, Thorani, I think it is, right? House Thorani, that sounds right. House Thorani. Um, by a House Thorani agent named Needle. So you'll notice that I've got, like, I'm doing my prep, but it's like, wow, you seem to know a lot. And that's because my other group already went through all of this. So I actually have a fair amount of material. And I already have, like, stuff wired into my head about what's where. So I'm cheating because both my groups have come to the same place. And one group is two weeks ahead of the other. So you don't see me making up a lot of stuff on the fly on this one. Instead, I'm really drawing in, um, I'm really drawing in uh, information that I already have. So eh, you're, I'm cheating. Um, so, um, so yeah, um, Needle is a, uh, yeah, House the Ronnie agent. Um, what else? So Needle, so, um, Geneth, uh, and Needle, I shouldn't link them every time. That's a waste of time. Geneth and Needle went to, um, Faragon because Warforged um, gets eaten there by a cow, by a Calarail. So a Calarail is another creature of, um, I think this one is, um, uh, the Calarail looks like that. And it is a creature that eats artificers. It eats artificial things. And uh, it is a very, it's a nice, fun, powerful creature. It's a legendary monster. And um, yeah, it devours components and then can kind of spit them back out again. And we have two characters that are Warforged. So this is going to be great. And so when an artificer, he eats artifacts. He eats the artificer stuff, right? And... Um, they went to this town, or the, the, to this particular, yeah, they went to this town because they knew the Calarail would protect them from Karshak. So Karshak's probably lying to them a little bit, especially because there's Warforge in the group. Um, the Calarail eats uh, Warforged and Artificer constructs. It devoured four of Karshak's Dread Riders. So that's a secret. Um, what else do we have? Um, 
So Warford needs to experience fear. Yes. Oh, so let me answer your question. Uh, you, you had a question and you went through the trouble of getting it highlighted. So I ought to answer. Uh, what's the difference between scenes and fantastic locations? So a scene, a scene is a, you know, <laughs> you can't define it with its own definition. A scene is a scene, right? A scene is when the characters are interacting with something. It's got more than just location-based things. It's got NPCs. It's got story, little story bits. Things happen in a scene. So the example is of like the first scene is restarting the sluices. We know that the characters are there. They're going to fight these guys and they have to fire the sluices up. It's more than just the location. It is it is things that are occurring in there. We know when they return to Karshak, they're going to be talking to Karshak. They're going to be negotiating. Karshak's going to tell them about Phygon. Uh, the travel to Phygon, like that's actually an event that, that's going to, you know, that's going to happen. You know, things are going to happen there. And then I sort of, but I quickly went from locations like Karshak, you know, Glass Plateau, making Clark. Those are all just locations. I, I have seen ideas there. I know that a scene will occur, but I'm not defining, I don't define the scenes too much. The scene section, I'll give you a, a little bit of a hint here. Um, of the eight steps, the scenes almost didn't make it. It was seven steps before, before scenes came in. But I found that so many people use them and that they are useful in certain circumstances that it's worth having scenes. Uh, it's worth having it as a step. But yes, I think that scenes is probably the first step that can go uh, if you're limiting the number of steps that you take because you're, the scenes are going to play out as they play out. And a, a danger with scenes is that you define them more than this, right? That you, you know, scenes need to play out. They don't, you don't plan them. You don't make expectations about what's going to occur. You, um, you, you, you set the stage and you see what happens, right? That's really what DMing is all about. Set the stage, see what happens. And um, so you don't want to overdefine scenes. So our scene situations, yes, often scenes and situations are the same thing. For me, it's just like an outline of like, I'm running a game today. What are the things I think are going to happen today? And you see how like quick it is for me to go like, well, you know, probably what's going to happen are just the first three. They're not going to do those bottom four. But I'm, I'm just kind of keeping my head in the game about like what's the end state. And the end state is going to Claw Rift. So that's, um, Kalmex says, that's my most used step. Yes. And it's, you know, I mean, I'm, don't, don't listen to me. Like what, if it's working for you, it's working. But I would say that scenes is the one that can be overused the most. And, and if you overuse it, you're over, you end up creating events that may not occur. So scenes need to be, you need to be ready to throw them out because of the, the game changes and you don't want to define them too tightly. But the idea of like a situation, so the, you know, the city of Phygon is a situation, right? And, and actually uh, in the city of Phygon, one of the areas that I can put in here is um, the Academy. The Academy of Eberron is a academy of magic that's actually sitting atop ruins of the Dakani that also practice magic there. Uh, there's, you know, old ruins and everything beneath. Uh, and actually those are, that's kind of a fun secret. And the Academy is where um, Needle is holding... Um, uh, Geneth. So Needle, Geneth, and Needle uh, are holding up in the Academy of Eberron. So I think, did I put some history here? Famed Wizard Academy. Uh, I've got maps for it, which is kind of cool. Um, but then we say the Academy of Eberron is built atop 
uh, was was built by Galifar, the Empire of Galifar, uh, more you know hundreds of years ago, and then um, taken over by Sire about a hundred years ago. Uh, so that's good. And then the next secret will be that uh, the Academy sits atop uh, the Connie ruins that channel arcane energy up into the Academy. The ruins are vast and deep. So there's a bunch of secrets. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, so a lot of people say it's my most used step. And, and I can understand that. To me, uh, secret and clues are the real meat of prep. Like that's the, you know, the secrets and clues are the, that's where the real value of prep comes in. And I would argue, you, you like you can probably, you know, if you had one step, secrets and clues would be your step. Uh, if you had two, the strong start and secrets and clues would be your step. Um, if you, um, um, you know, three review, the characters, strong start secrets and clues, then locations so that you could probably rank the, the, the tips maybe for fun. We'll, we'll rank the tips. Somebody asked how fantastic layers production is going. Uh, Sinistar, thank you. If you backed, thank you very much for backing. For those of you who backed Fantastic Layers, thank you very much. It is going well. The only problem we've been having is that getting play tests of the high level layers has been harder than we hoped. Uh, we're getting them. We've got a bunch. Um, let me drink my coffee. I, I poured too much coffee in here. Um, let's see. We'll go to our... So you asked about Fantastic Layers, and I want to go to the playtest report count. And um, yeah, so we have a couple of the higher level ones. Dragon Mummy and Blood Rain have four out of the five that we are hoping for. Remember God and Sizzle Death have three. Curse of Black Ice and World Eater have two. Hell's Heart has none. So we, we want to get at least one or two playtests at that end. We don't expect we're going to get five full playtests of every layer. We, we would hope for that, but I don't think we're going to get it. Now, the nice bit is, even though we're in the middle of playtesting those layers, it isn't holding anything else up. We have new art that is coming in. We have, you know, and the, art, the art's going along well. I think we have every map. Do we have every map? I think we have every map. If not, we're missing one. And we have one more layer that is still in internal playtesting and will soon be in external playtesting this week. I think we'll be ready anytime. Um and then we're going to send a new update. So you'll see a new Kickstarter update. And the update lets you uh, subscribe to become a playtester. And boy, we'd love it if you playtested Hell's Heart because we could use at least a couple of playtests of that. That's a 20th level there. That's one of mine. And uh, you fight a fiendish ancient gold dragon archmage. There's nothing like uh, saying a, a, the, the dragon breathes on you for 160 points of fire and necrotic damage and then casts uh, Meteor Swarm. Uh, Barrows, if you are a backer, uh, you can go look at the Kickstarter messages and in the, in the, in the updates, we've been putting a link into every update that says, click on this and subscribe with your email address. And that puts you on the list for playtesting. And, uh, then you get playtest packets sent out regularly. We are going to send another playtest packet out this week. 
Um, if you subscribe and you don't see anything, uh, like hit me up on Discord if you want, and I'll send you a link. So, um, so that's where that's where uh, Fantastic Lair's playtesting is. Back to Eberron. I want to do that because you're a backer and backers deserve to know what's going on. Two more secrets. Uh, so somebody said that secrets are easy. Scenes have their strongest use when I think of them outside of the dungeon. There's going to be a scene where the party confronts the corrupt baron. That gives you... Yeah, you just don't want to put too much, right? Um, uh, it gives you context to prep a social encounter over, say, there's a scene that's a large dungeon crawl, which is kind of what I did, right? Um, somebody said something else about secrets I thought was interesting. Uh, about abstracting, abstracting secrets. Did I miss it? Um, I thought somebody said something about, or somebody asked a question about abstracting secrets and clues from their, from their locations. Learning, yeah, here it is. Learning to decouple secrets and clues and by extension treasure from specific areas of NPC really opened my eyes. Yeah, to me, that's the power of a secret and clue. I don't know how they're going to learn this stuff. They might only learn half, they're probably only going to learn half of it. And I don't know how they're going to learn that half. And that's where we, the, the game evolves and they learn things as they're going. Whatever path they go, they're going to learn stuff. And that's, to me, a real powerful bit of secrets and clues. That's why I think it's the, 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 the most useful step that and it helps you do like world building and it helps tie locations and npcs and monsters it kind of has everything in it you'll notice that with all the hyperlinks in here i have locations i have npcs i have monsters i, I really have the other steps embedded in secrets and clues i could probably get away with just that what other secrets and clues do we have so we have some information about the academy um is there anything else about so uh a trick um uh, my Senta's memory crystal is intact, but her docent is broken. I spell intact wrong? There's no intacted. Um, my Senta's memory crystal is intact, but her docent is broken. There's no interface. So in, in my version of Eberron, uh, Warforged have crystal, memory crystals that sort of are their version of their brain. And then uh, that is embedded inside of a spherical device called a docent that is sort of the interface between the brain and body. It's like the upper spinal column. And, and it's super complicated and it's really built, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to use. Very difficult to recreate. And that is what uh, can be embedded. So Kar Karshak's got one that has his embedded in the train. All of the Warforged characters have one. Um, the characters are carrying one. Actually, they have an inside banner right now. He's got a docent. I don't think he's going to want to give it up. So the idea is they have my sense as memory crystal, but they don't have the docent. And they might be able to fix it, or they might have to use the docent that they've got to use my sense. But that means giving it up. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be particularly happy about that. Because you're giving up a magic item and no one wants to give up a magic item. Um, uh, Sinistar says, I thought about taping art from my world uh, or a blurb about its history on the back of a DM screen for players to see and ask about, do you think that takes away? No, it doesn't take away from immersion. That's a great way to immerse them. Art is awesome. Show them art. Show them art all the time. I, I, I use art. I show them art constantly. It's like the three ring circus of D&D. &D, right? Keep always be doing a lot of you know, music and descriptions and art and maps and you know change the mediums right change the mediums a lot I, I had a dm once who showed a beginning of a movie just to kind of get people in the mood so it's pretty cool barrows asked if i played quest 
Uh, I have read it. I haven't played it. It looks cool. Uh, it looks a little simple, but it looks cool. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. Um, I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen much about it. It was real popular for a little while there, and then I haven't heard anything about it since. Who knows? But uh, good, good. Uh, um, a lot of interest in it. I need one more secret and clue. So let's go to the characters. You know what? I'm I skipped. I skipped reviewing the characters. Um, Oops, Sunday. Um, I skipped this. You know, sometimes it's easier for me to... What? Where are my characters? Oh, that's the wrong one. Whoops. Those are my Sunday characters for Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, which I haven't figured out yet. Here we go. Sunday characters. Eberron. Bang. Who are the characters? We have Zarentir Delander. Uh, Zarentir is a member of uh, House Delander. He crashed his father's airship twice, two different ships, destroyed them, and um, you know, licensed to actually fly airships. Uh, we have Saber, who is a bounty hunter. So Saber might be more aware of um, the yeah. Um, as in his bounty hunter days, he's probably more aware of House Therani. And the fact that they are like nasty sort of bounty hunters. Um, uh, Shift is a one of the first Warforged. Uh, oh, yeah. So she had a lot of things. Oh, man, I forgot. She had her lost day. And I forgot to write it up. I don't know if I'm going to have time today. Damn it. I was going to do it last week. Um, She's an original Warforged. She just found out. She just picked up a... Uh, etched bone rod that lets her speak to um, uh, lets her speak to the head of the Emerald Claw. Uh, what's Lady? What's not Lady Vol? Uh, what's the name of the villain? In uh, she's the head of the Emerald Claw. Damn it! So her rod lets her communicate with her, uh, and she found out that her brother has actually implanted his memories into Shift's memory crystals. So now they're interwoven and he, she's not going to be able to get rid of them. Uh, Omara, Lady Omaro. And Lady Omaro refers to herself as grandmother. She considers herself Shift's grandmother. Uh, Banner is a warforged uh, follower of the Becoming God. Uh, now is carrying around Chi's father in his head in a, in a memory crystal as well. Uh, we have Shane Husk, uh, famed novelist. I think he is returning today, so we'll get to see Shane Shane's return. Uh, he wrote about the last war. He probably is aware of a lot of the cities and the things going on in, in, in the histories of this area, so that will be cool. And we have Chi, Arwen Chi Sizu, uh, who is from House, uh, um, House Orion? No, House Civis, uh, Artificer. And uh, whose father is now embedded in Banner's head. Lots of family members. We got brothers. We got fathers. We got two grandfather and grandmothers. We got lots of, you know, lots of family stuff going on. Shane Husk doesn't have family. Neither does Saber. Uh, so uh, those are the characters. I don't, do I have any other secret? I get, um, so an Emerald Claw secret might be fun. Um, backlink. Um, one last secret. Is there a secret tied to the Emerald Claw? Um, so we could have it that, uh, here's one that's not really tied to a character, but the Lord of Blades, uh, 
uh, has mobilized forces in making. Uh, that's kind of far out. We're going to dump that one because that's that's too far in the future. Um, what else? Something that's happening in um, the Mornland here. Something that's happening of interest in the uh, city of Farragon. Uh, what other Farragon kind of inf in things could be there? Uh, I guess we'll use this. That uh, House Therani hopes to draw um, information and blackmail material from Mycenta. Um, for those involved in the morn in the morning. So, um, so yeah. So then I got my ten secrets. Uh, fantastic locations we talked about. I've got a whole bunch of locations. So one interesting thing is the fantastic locations here are big locations. Like if you go to Glass Plateau, right? That itself is like a whole big list of stuff. And and note that I um, already created a lot of glass plateau material for my other game. I got like lots of pictures. Look at that guy. They're fighting that one day. Yeah. And um, uh, that's what glass plateau kind of look. That's actually at the edge of the glass plateau. Glass plateau is going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about like how to do overland travel stuff when we get when we get there. Um, so I have lots of interesting locations. Uh, and so, and NPCs. Now you'll note again, like NPCs is another section. Like I could probably do without it. Uh, I'll, I'll probably do it. Um, uh, I'll probably do it just for completeness sake. So we have Karshak is clearly a, um, my Senta. Uh, we have, um, Deloitte. Uh, we have uh, Geneth. We have Needle. So I already have like bios of all of these people. Like Needle, for example. Again, I'm cheating because I already did a lot of prep work in my other game. I will say that it's not like I spent so. So just for, for you know, like oh sure, it's Mike Shea. It's easy to do game prep when you've prepped everything before. But but the reality is like it didn't take me that long to um, put together like a lot of this stuff, and I just sort of filled it out as I go. So I love that picture of the, the assassin from uh, Needle, the assassin from House Therani. Uh, and this is what Notion is so great at. You build these profiles of people, right? And you can put art for them, you know, and you you get like you just throw a few comments, and it sort of links back to everything. That's that's uh, Karshak's conductor. Um, you know, it's real, you know, real easy to sort of link all this stuff together. And and that I have really found Notion. Notion follows my way of thinking with lazy DM prep really well. Like you get to reuse a lot. You know, you get to sort of build an NPC profile, throw it in the database and then link to it later. And it works really well. So monsters, somebody said um, something about what level is the party? So the party are ninth level and there's, I think, six of them. So, and they might all be here today. So um, so we're going to do the Deadly Threshold. 
Um, I've been super excited about this, and, and I don't think it's gotten a lot of interest from other people, though. Um, but I'm going to talk about it here again. Uh, so character and building guidelines blow. They don't work very well, and they're very complicated to do. And there are tools that let you do it. And a lot of people are using the Encounter Builder and D&D Beyond. Great. A lot of people use Cobalt Fight Club. Great. I like to have a tool in my head. I don't want to have to have, I don't want to have to fall back to software to tell me whether or not an encounter is quote unquote balanced. The trick is there's no such thing as a balanced encounter. So all I care about is, is an encounter potentially deadly? That's the only ratio I use is, is here's the situation. Is that going to wipe out the party or not? And most of the time I run counters that are easy. I like running easy encounters. It's fun. It's fun for the characters to feel powerful and eat through. Sometimes I run really hard fights, but I want to know is this on the edge of deadly. So I have a threshold in my head and it's a very simple equation which is you, you ask a question and the question is, uh, is this uh, an, or a statement, I guess it is an encounter is potentially deadly. If the sum total of challenge levels of monsters is greater than half the sum total levels of characters, uh, or one quarter, if they're below fifth level, my characters are ninth level. So, um, I don't have to worry about that. So that creates what I call the damage, the deadly threshold, right? The potentially deadly threshold. Cause it might not be deadly. And actually I've, I've used it many times and many times uh, I've gone way over and they still wipe it out. So it's really not even that great a threshold. Um, but none of them are. So somebody says, Oh, math, yeah, please. It's summing like add all the challenge rating together and then see if it's greater than half of the character levels. So in this case, I have six character levels. This is super easy because now, you know, I have six character levels, uh, six characters. They're ninth level. Um, so I, I do nine times six divided by two, but I also could just do nine times three because it's six. Uh, so it's uh, 27, right? So my, my, my deadly threshold is 27, which means in theory, I should be able to run up to about 27 CRs worth of monsters. Snark Knight says, man, I'd pay to have these general tips collected somewhere. Um... That, you know, if you sum up the, you, you know, half, half the character levels together summed up are 27. I have about 27, um, 20, you know, CR 27. I, I can, I have about 27 CRs worth before I cross into the deadly threshold. So that means if it were ghouls, I could probably run about 27 ghouls. If it were fire giants, which are CR nine, I could probably run about three of them, right? Now, maybe I throw in four because I want it to be really hard, but I know that I'm going over, right? I know that I'm making it harder than harder than deadly. Um, this threshold actually is harder than if you were to run it in um, D&D Beyond in the Encounter Builder. It's harder than the default, but the default does not assume multi-class. It does not assume magic items. It does not assume feats. So as soon as you add those things, it doesn't assume Tasha's. We were talking about Tasha's earlier. So when you, you think about all the options that characters have, all the different things that they have, multi-classing feats, which I allow, I allow multi-classing, I allow feats. Um, they have magic items and they, um, they have material from other books. As soon as you add that in, their power goes up. And when their power goes up, everything else goes up. So I think that my threshold, A, it's easy to keep in your head, right? Again, sum total challenge levels, if it's higher than half the sum total character levels is potentially deadly. Real straightforward. Uh, Evil John says, I'd like to see three fire giants against five ninth level PCs. Yes, uh, it's probably, I, I bet you four would be a pretty good, I bet you four, four feels right because three is not a lot of monsters compared to that. And this is six. So five ninth level, uh, what's the five times nine is 45, half of 45 is 22. So um, three fire giants are uh, eight, 
I think there's fire giants, I think, are CR8. Uh, <laughs> fire giants are CR9. 9, 18, 27. So three fire giants is actually pretty hard against uh, five ninth level characters. That's probably a good fight, though, right? Uh, uh, Snark Knight, I pay for these general tips. Uh, Snark Knight, are, are you a patron? If you're a patron, you have access to all of this stuff inside Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets, which includes things like this. Uh, I think, let's take a look. I thought it did. Uh... Get a new window here for a second to go to Discord and open Discord. It says, watch out, streaming mode. But in the uh, patron hangout, um, we have uncovered secrets. Uh, I will show it off in the chat channel. This is a, uh, these are available to patrons of Sly Flourish. And they have running hordes, zone-based combat, building lazy encounter. Yeah, here it is, right? Uh, building lazy, lazy encounter. So the, the, that has both the tips you were talking about. One, an encounter is potentially deadly if the sum total of monster challenge ratings is greater than half the sum total of character levels or one quarter if the character is above fifth level. That's the rule. And it talks about how to use this. It also talks about how things vary. Um, it talks about starting with the story and then also talks about, hey, and if you want to keep track of average character hit points when you're looking at the damage potentially inflicted by traps or by monsters, assume level time seven plus three so what's the uh and and i can actually stick that in my notes too right and my deadly threshold and average hit points uh are level time seven plus three nine times seven is what 54 i suck at math man what's nine times seven uh 63 63 feels right uh 63 plus three right so 66 is the average hit points. Um, I think that's right. Tell me if my math is wrong. Multiplication tables. It's been a long time. Uh, and so if you look at any one of the characters, I should assume roughly 66 hit points. Some will be lower. Some will be higher. Uh, if we go to the characters, for example. By the way, I did that, but I can still click on it. So let's actually take a look at one. So we'll look at, I think I have the links down here. Uh, let's, we'll just kind of pick one randomly, we'll open up a character. Oh, you guys can look it up in the Twitch window too and see, uh, hit points here are 61. Pretty, pretty close, right? That's Shane Husky's a wizard. Uh, let's pick this guy. Uh, this is Arwen has 67. So, you know, what did I say? 66? Pretty, pretty close. So it's a good way to keep just generally track of how many hit points you expect them to have. And then, you know, like when your death ray hits, it should always do 10 more than the average hit point. So we have a deadly threshold of CR 27. Uh, monsters, we have Dread Riders. Uh, we actually, uh, that's not the first group we're going to fight. The first group we're going to fight are the befouled, the befouled weirds. Um, now, befouled weirds are CR 5. So they should be able to fight five of them, uh, which makes sense given um uh it makes sense uh given that there are six characters but i'm gonna be a dick and i'm gonna throw in a clay golem as well just to shake things up um so we're gonna have a clay now now this is gonna be a hard fight a they've been traveling through this dungeon for a while um uh, uh, i like the idea that a clay golem kind of attacks them from behind 
Um, and now I'm way above deadly, right? Because the clay golem is CR nine. So they are five, 25 plus nine, 34. So I'm going 27 is the threshold and I'm doing a, a, a I'm doing the 34. So that, I'm being, I'm being a dick. Um, but that's okay. I don't think I have to worry about other monsters because they're not really, I mean, I can do the Calarail. Um, but I'm not going to do any others because I don't think they're going to get particularly far. I could be wrong. They could end up in Farragon. Then I'll just roll randomly. I think I've got some. So let's take a look because I think there's some monsters. I think I wrote some like encounter. So this is what Farragon looks like. Is this Farragon? Yeah, it's funny. The, the map. I have a map, but I don't think I used it. And I don't think I will use it because I don't know what a, I guess the academy is there. So they kind of roll up on the train station here and make their way through Farragon. And then this is the academy. Um, and so I have a few. Um, uh, I don't even have that many encounters in here. So let, 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 like, let's think of some others. What are so, so all of the, this is a place where, um, uh, so you know what we'll do? We'll pull up the Lazy DM workbook. Uh, actually, we'll, we'll, let's pull it up on screen. Um, so, do, 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 desktop, three notes, lazy DM workbook. Uh, I think we'll do some like mutated uh, regular monsters might be kind of fun. So we're going to go to lazy DM workbook, which has uh, monsters by dungeon level in here somewhere. Um, there we go. And we're going to pick a monster table. Uh, so we're going to pick like the CR five to eight um so wyverns mutated wyverns would be kind of cool right why don't we do some mutated mutated wyverns sound fun um any other creatures on this list not really devils salamanders probably not vampire spawn no um anything in the cr8 plus we they're already fighting clay golems they're not really giants walking around a bee here might be kind of fun let's take a look at a bee here um they already have a big powerful monster so the the calorel is the 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 alpha predator uh is this one that does lightning so that could be kind of cool yeah we'll do a bee here you know, potential option. Um, and then probably something less powerful. So let's go down to our four and fives. Uh, Lamia, Barb Devils, Boulettes, mm, Giant Crocodiles, Gorgons. Um, nothing there. Shambling Mounds. Eh, none of those totally grab me i mean you could do like shambling oh what about like metallic shambling mounds right um so they are the reanimated excrement of the uh cowl rail right so the cowl rail devours artificer things and makes poops and the poops turn into uh weird mechanical shambling mounds that that are built out of like molten iron or twisted iron and metal and they attack that'd be kind of fun that's that's good. We'll do that. Uh, do we have shambling mounds? No, so I, did I link be here? And uh, we can link shambling mounds. Um, 
I give another tip, uh, another tip to grow on something that, you know, don't get hung up on making on the mechanics of things. Uh, I say this a lot, but like when you're reskinning 95% of the time, you can just reskin with your descriptions. You don't actually have to add, you can like Eberron, the Eberron guide has, uh, and it's probably worth cause we, we, we freaking bought it. We might as well use it. Right. Um, so, uh, Mornland, Adventure Locations, Mornland. There it is, the Mornland. And the, so this section has um, mutations, um, monstrous mutations, right? And um, that is, you know, those are probably worth using because it's kind of fun. But you don't have to, uh, right? You, 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 you know, you can just describe it as being weird. Um, you know, it has magic resistance, big whoop, right? Uh, supernatural healing is boring. Uh, you know, camouflage, maybe that could be kind of, so you can use this stuff, but that's not a lot. Like that's actually six options and they're not great. So never mind. So you just reskin, right? So now I've got a D8 for random encounters that can occur uh, while they're traveling through, um, uh, while they're traveling through the city of Farragon. Uh, how are we on time? We have seven minutes left. So I think, oh, we, so treasure. I think we're good on treasure right now. I don't know that I'm going to add any. I'm getting lazy. Let's take a look. So uh, we reviewed the character. Let's just do a quick. We reviewed the characters. We know that we're starting with Befowl Weirs on a clay golem. We have scenes listed out. We have all the secrets and clues. We have a bunch of fantastic locations. We have a bunch of NPCs. Uh, we have a bunch of monsters. Um, and uh, we can add like random monsters in Farragon. Um, so treasure, uh, it is worth, well, let's do it. We got the seven minutes. Let's spend the seven minutes on what we ought to be doing and not be lazy because it matters. And that's like, what treasure uh, can people have? So how is, oh, so there's a good one. Um, so one of them is we can drop ciphers from um, uh, from Arcana of the Ancients uh, is, is a good one. So I got I got two interesting ones. So cipher cipher from Arcana of the Ancients are fun single use things. Um, um, and then another one is a, we can dip, dip into our Tasha's, right? Tasha's has some new things and let's use the new things. Source books, Tasha's, do, do, do. And we go to magic items. And there is one in particular that I thought was cool, which is the, it's a tool. Um, where did I see it? Uh, all purpose tool. And this is something that works specifically for artificers. Um, so we're gonna have an all-purpose tool. Uh, let me just make sure I'm not giving too many magic items to um, Arwen, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. I don't think Arwen's got a lot. There's not a lot of stuff for artificers. So it's nice that there's this one powerful thing for artifices. You might as well give them the one thing. Uh, AC on Chi is good. Uh, let's look at equipment. Figuring a wonder's power ebb and fly. That doesn't really count. 
Yeah, see, Nahara doesn't have anything, right? Now, like, she makes her own magic items, but it'd be nice if she had something. So uh, the, the, the sonic screwdriver is, is a pretty cool tool. So I think that that'll be a good piece of treasure. Um, oh, and then... Um, uh, I don't think I ever gave it out. I hope I didn't. But I think a really cool magic item is a the, the an assassin's crossbow. Um, uh, the assassin's crossbow is a plus two cro hand crossbow. Um, if it drops someone to zero, uh, they're disintegrated. Um, I gotta say if it kills someone. So it's, it's a good, like, so this is, uh, held by, um, uh, by needle, right? And it's a great assassin's crossbow because you can like shoot a guard and they go, they go, and they turn to ash and you just go, and then you get rid of the body, right? So like, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful it's a great way of getting rid of the body. Um, and I think, yeah, it's time for that. I don't know which character might want that, but I think it would be a cool item for somebody to have. Uh, so I'm going to throw that into the treasure. So I think we are pretty good. Um, I could talk more. So I'm, I'll talk a little bit about the idea of point crawls. I'm getting very interested in a concept of point crawls. And I got interested in this because I've been running lots of cities and overland areas, and I've not been clear about, like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Like, you know, how do you um, yeah, disintegrate, destroys items? Yeah, it could be. I don't know if I'd have it destroy items. Um, so point crawls. Um, there's some good blog articles about this. I don't, I'm not going to dig them up now, but there's some good articles about doing point crawls. So, so what the hell is a point crawl? A point crawl is when you have like an overland area or you have a, like a city or someplace that you're trying that where the characters are sort of exploring the area. A lot of times you go to like hex crawls, right? And a hex crawl, you have a bunch of hexes and each hex has things in it and the players decide which hex they go into and you like roll dice on random encounters and you have to fill it with features. A point crawl basically says ignore the hexes and ignore the fixed distances and instead create locations or monuments or places of interest and then tie them together with connectors. So it looks like a graph. It, you know, you got nodes and edges. If you're familiar with graph theory, you have nodes and edges. And the nodes are the, the, the places that you go, and the edges are how you get there. So like city streets would be a way that you get from one place to another. Um, you know, and, and you sort of connect them together. Like if you, you know, if you were going to do a city, the problem is it's, uh, you know, I have to kind of show uh, an example. Actually, I, th I think if I show, um, I'll give you an example. If I go to the glass plateau, I think I've got the image. Uh, so here is a a point crawl kind of. It's like mind mapping. A lot of people have compared it to mind mapping. So this was my sort of point crawl for um, the glass plateau. 
Karshak Station is like a train station in the middle of nowhere. And when you land there, Karshak says there are three ways for you to get to making. You can take the road of fallen iron, go through the plane of glass, or go through the uh, obsidian spires. You choose you choose which path you're going to take. Then if you take those paths uh, through the plane of glass, you will see like the, mi- the, the mirrors, uh, pools of acid, Arthas's gate, the slaughterhouse, uh, the slaughter fields of the of Karnath, um, and and you can draw connections. So like I didn't actually draw. I'm going to redo this one because I, I didn't do it this way when I ran it, and I'm going to rebuild it. Um, that you can sort of have interconnections. So you can say like once you get to like the the slaughter field of Karnath, you can also either go to the glass army or you can see the way that you know there's there's a pathway that leads up into the, the the tail end of the obsidian spires and that takes you to place or you can go straight to it so there's like different choices so it's like building a dungeon and in fact the dmg talks about this um that the the dungeon master's guide says like you can just name locations and the connectors between them and treat the overland like you would do a dungeon you know only for every room it's instead of location and instead of hallways you have the connectors um, the, the, the concept of, uh, point crawls is that there's some reason why one node is connected to another. It's either like a river, you're following a riverbank, or there's a, um, there's, there's game trails that, that connect things together, or there's roads, or there's like, the, you know, the only, the only field you can travel across is, is the one there. So we're going to, we'll, we'll talk about that more, um, next week, I think. Uh, I'm going to redo this map, and so we'll we'll talk more about it. It's also something I'm working on for a Slide Flourish article. Uh, so we have crossed an hour. Uh, I feel confident and comfortable about the game I am running. I've got lots of good notes, uh, lots of good fun, so I think we're going to call it here. I want to thank everybody for hanging out today. Uh, it's always a great joy to do this show. Uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed it, and um, get out there and play some D&D.